Hi there, Glocal Citizens. Welcome back to the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. This week, we're at part two of my conversation with Kenny Allen, singer, songwriter, music producer, and designer based in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia. So let's get right back into the conversation. Okay, so let's get a little bit more into the business of what, what you do. So so you, we know you, you do music, you're a songwriter, you're a singer, you produce some artists, you've worked with many different artists. Tell us a bit about how doing that business and being making an impact because I think that you're, you know, you're a local celebrity in Addis. So tell us more about how the journey of getting to that from a business perspective took place for you. And I guess that also includes the creative perspective, but tell us more about that story. I had recorded three albums of my own before I came to Ethiopia. And I sort of felt like, hey, if I can produce my own albums, then I could do it for other people. So, and that became more of the business for me because I'm, you know, I sort of made my own albums because I just didn't have the money to hire anybody to do that. So I said, okay, well, you know, I can offer that as a service. And that was really the beginning of it. I produced a reggae album from, from a, a Jamaican artist named Sidney Salmon, who is a really a fixture in the community. And I had this sort of dual perspective. I had really gotten in, in the mix of Ethiopian instruments, and Ethiopian has these, uh, these modes of music, of scales. And so I, I became sort of an expert on Ethiopian music, mm. in, you know, as, you know, as one could be. But I got into it, and I understood it, and I really worked with, you know, some, some powerhouses in Ethiopian music. So that was my one up because I, I knew R&B, I knew hip hop, I knew jazz. And then I also had access to Ethiopian music. So that's, that's pretty much where my business, you know, it's where that, that extra thing, that, that unique contribution led to business. Cause then other people said, Hey, I want to, you know, I want that sound, but I also want it to still be Ethiopian. So that's kind of like where where really where the value of the business came. So it really became more like production. Yes. You know, as a as a music producer. And then I saw my own music making as sort of just for for because that's what I do and that's what I love and it was not necessarily the bread and butter of of my existence, you know? Okay. Got it. Got it. And so you did a lot of producing and then you're performing. And you're writing, do you, you write songs for other artists? I do, but I mostly work with other songwriters mm -hmm. uh, who come with songs and then I will produce them. You know, I will create more compositions. I have written songs for, for people, but it's, it's not necessarily my, you know, it's not something I, I do often. I'm more on the, on the musical production side of things. Okay, got it, got it. And so now let's let's talk a little bit more about your design because you mentioned brands that you've worked on and brands that you've built. So tell us more about Kenny the designer. So I had I had started by making clothes for myself because okay. I did I you know in my earlier days of artist I would go to the thrift store and you know find these these amazing treasures. Sure. And but that did not happen. Yeah, you know, I didn't find that over there. So. 
one day I, w- I went to a local uh, boutique or men's boutique and I found this jacket and I thought it was amazing. And I was like, oh, this is a beautiful jacket. And I got on stage and saw somebody with the same jacket. <laughs> so oh, I, was like, no. I was like, no, this is not going to happen. This is not a good look for me. So yeah. that's when I really started to I really started to make clothes for myself. My mom actually sewed clothes for me when I was a, a kid. Yeah. <laughs> so I came from a sort of like make your own thing kind of background. But with the clothes, I had worn these shirts that I made and some guys in D.C. who I knew, they were like, man, you should go back home and make make your own store. And I was like, man, that's really a good idea. <laughs> so <laughs> so I actually came up with the name Undken, which in Amharic means one day. One day. Yeah, it was a bit of a play on my name and was also quite an inspiring kind of phrase. And and I also modeled it after the spirit of like people who work their whole lives to get to a place that they, you know, Olympians. And when you go to the Grammy and you perform at the Super Bowl, these larger than life moments that happen as a result of all the years of trying to do it, you know, so uh this was the spirit. And then we started making a laptop case for a friend. And I was like, man, this is interesting because a, 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 the clothes were not fitting me properly. So I, didn't, I couldn't really take that to a large, small, medium level. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but mm-hmm. the bags were very universal. Yeah. And I just found that my, you know, I became a little bit more prolific with the bags and my perspective and the way that I approach the bags is more like an, you know, like art pieces. They're usually one of ones within their combinations of African textiles and Ethiopian leather, which is, you know, some of the best leather in the world because they consume so much meat. <laughs> so there is like, and the, you know, they're organic. Most of the, the cows and, and animals are, are raised organically. So it results in a unique quality of, of leather. I'm sorry if I, if I went off too far. No, 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 no. That <laughs> so yeah, we know we definitely know that East Africans are are beef and oh, <laughs> cow, the cow the cattle industry is is pretty large there. I mean, there's mm-hmm. a lot of between Kenya and Ethiopia and I believe there's another country in the region. They supply Europe with a pretty large percentage of their beef. Yes. Yeah, so, so- that also translates in leather, which is ironic because now I'm vegan. <laughs> so oh, I, 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 I slightly battle with the, the idea, but I also know that in this particular case, no animals are, are slaughtered for, you know, specifically for making a, a hide. So it's what, something that, that I, in the future I would like to actually, you know, come to a full uh, consistency in life because I know there are other op- options. I know in uh, South America, there's a company that makes sort of leather out of pineapple skin. So at a certain point, I would like to sort of really exercise my, my creativity and, and find alternatives, you know, as I know that the planet it needs a little bit of a break from all the things that are required to, you know, produce meat and animals and things like that, as well as the obvious ethical reasons behind it. But it's an age old tradition coming back from the cavemen. So (laughs) I tried to 
I try to find find a a balance in it all, you know. And I think that's the key. It's really about balance. Yeah. So, okay, so then you you've evolved into this bag and an accessory focus. Yeah. And so then what kind of logistics are you selling mostly locally? How what are the logistics about moving product? Yeah, I mean, actually just recently we've just acquired an import export license. So, that is going to kind of change the game a little bit, but my sort of uh, my model is more like an art, an artist, like okay. got it. And so, so I'm really focused at the moment, kind of on direct to consumer. And our client base, ID Salvaba, is is slightly limited. You know, it's a luxury item that you don't need. Need sure. so our client base, although they were very loyal, you know, it, it's a transient place at times for sort of this, what they call them Ferengi, which is like people who are not from Ethiopia, you know, they come and go and sustainably. And especially at this particular time where times are changing, we're really like about to go really hard on online sales. And I also would like to connect with Pan-African stores on the continent that are featuring designers from, you know, from the continent. I think that is, that is really an aim of mine. I don't want to like Nothing against large chain stores and things like that, but I would like to keep the dollar, you know, within people of color. I mean, for reasons that I feel like that is a that is something other cultures do. And, you know, and I think that is the strength of a culture is is how you recycle the the economy, (laughs) like to be quite frank, you know. Yes, it is. That I mean, it's (laughs) it's proven itself in the data and statistics. So you are not off on that one. But I you know, so in a politically correct world, it's you know you have to say these things <laughs> in, a way, yeah. in a way as to not come off as. But I don't feel like you know it's, I'm not trying to offend anybody, nor am I trying to exclude anyone or prevent people who are interested in the products. But this is a real. It, it, be, it has become a mission of mine as mm-hmm. as I've been led to this wonderful experience living on the continent. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Africa really rise, and there's so much to be done. And that's the beauty. That's one of the things that that really inspires me to stay there is like I know that I can impact one person in an amazing kind of way. And that that's a beautiful, a beautiful opportunity and responsibility that I've, I've been willing to accept. Sure. And you feel like you can actually see how that impact replicates itself through the community as like, I think what you're you're also envisioning. Absolutely. Absolutely. The more people I can employ and really expose, you can't always imagine a better reality if you've never seen it. You can read and you can watch movies, and but you don't really know the wingspan. You know, I know that because I found myself 10,000 miles away creating, you know, this. And when I say brand before, the, it's, to me, the bags are a, an extension of a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. I'm promoting a lifestyle, of a creative lifestyle from a unique perspective. And, you know, if you look at a lot of people like a Bob Marley, like a Lenny Kravitz, these are people who come from different backgrounds. And I think the the search to find who you are lends itself to a creativity that is unique and that is really powerful. It's really global and it's really dynamic. So this is what I, I think I'm creating, you know, in a different kind of way, but it's really powerful. Hmm. So that's interesting. The search to find who you are. 
you know, for, for many and most, I mean, I think everyone's, a lot of people are searching, particularly now. Your experience sounds wonderful. Everything was great. You know, you may have had some small pitfalls or what have you, but tell me a little bit more about some of the challenges that, that you have had to overcome in being and living in a place that is just foreign. Yeah. I mean, I speak from an African perspective in that we know that Africa has been built around tribalism. No -hmm. matter which country you're from, the root of of Africa is who you belong to or what tribe. So in that regard, uh, in Ethiopia, I'll say specifically, is that, you know, it tends to stay within a tribe. Like, you know, somebody's mama wants you to marry somebody in the same tribe because that's just right. So me coming from none of them or, you know, coming from the outside, I've had a real challenge because I know people within it have challenges. So I have, I have actually been super inspired by the, the resistance of being embraced. (laughs) That has been some of my most pivotal moments is like, actually feeling excluded and feeling the need to come with it <laughs> in an in a, in a even stronger way that also doesn't offend anybody or like, you know, mm. I have felt this need to go beyond what happens in Ethiopia and go beyond what happens as an African-American. So the challenges are that no matter how hard you try you know, really, and that's why I have really been so adamant about the language, because in Ethiopia, language is a really, really landmark aspect of integrating. Yes. So I think really, if I were to, to recommend anybody who is going to any place is to learn the language, even if it's a dialect, you know, that is like how you are going to get access to the things that local people get access to. Right. We all know that, you know, if you go to the the non-local place, it's going to cost more or it's going to be harder to find or it's not going to be the authentic, you know? So what you seek to really get if you're not from a place is the authentic life because that's the one that's been proven and tried and true based on climate, based on conditions, you know? And that's what's going to make life feel more like home. Right, right. So how did you go about um, learning learning the language? You know, very early on, I, I discovered that Amharic language or Ethiopian language is less of a language and more of a lifestyle. Oh. You know? And it's not something you can like really learn like you would learn a romance language, like because there's so many exceptions to the rule and it's Ethiopia has its own alphabet and its own script. Yes. So it's like I just said, look, I can't do this like I would do Spanish or French. I have to live this. And it's taken me a long time. And pe- a lot of people say, how come you're not fluent, fluent in Amharic? Because, and I say, look, it's not that I don't speak Amharic. I just don't know all the words. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, ultimately, you're like a 12-year-old. So Absol- Absolutely. You know, and, and, and a 12, an emotional 12-year-old. And because I'm a songwriter, sure. I speak and think emotionally. I think about how to capture the human experience with words and with sound. Yeah. So it's really been actually quite challenging because I'm an English major. I, I you know, I, I have a degree in English. So sure. my thoughts do not always correspond to my language abilities. So that's been really the most fresh. But I basically took it on like, look, I'm not afraid to make mistakes. 
but I also don't have time for you not to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> so, exactly. That's that's basically the balance of motivation for any taking on any language. It's a fearlessness, but then it's a being able to say you don't know the word and asking, helping everyone get to the to the root of what everyone is trying to communicate. But also in the same sentence of language, you know, Ethiopia is the only, you know, African nation not to be colonized. So they're not really like wanting you to learn. So, you know, it's hard for me to even get like a translation, you know, like that's been like sort of one of their, their shields of armor versus an outsider. So that's why I can say that I have not fully gotten it down in this time because you say, Hey, what does that mean? They're like, well, there's really no word for that. Mm-hmm. And even the way they express themselves sure. is different. It's not like, let me translate it in my mind. It's like, that's not the way we would say that, you know? So it's like uncovering a secret code. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, you, know? I just, you just put that in context because that's right. Because they don't have a colonizer's language to like, as a crutch for others. Yeah, absolutely. Have their, their own authentic selves. So that's very interesting. So I've sort of learned it through the music and I just try to engage with non-English speakers every day and I try to pick up one or two words. I'm not hard pressed to get it all in, in, in one dose, you know, and I also have this feeling that one day I'll wake up and I'll just be fluent because what is required me to do is become the ultimate listener. Yes. There's a reason why ambulance sirens are loud and dogs bark when they're under duress like these are survival things. So in order for me to survive in a, in a place that I don't understand language, I have to be super keen on inflection. Yeah. And that has also benefited me in music. I've worked with French speakers. I've worked with Spanish speakers and I don't understand a word that their music is saying, but they always say, I don't know how you know what the feeling is because you don't speak French. And I'm like, I feel it. I know when... I look for the ends of the words to see where you go with it, with the tonality. Mm-hmm. And I think that has helped me become a better musician and a, and, a, and a better music producer. Right. Absolutely. That's wonderful. So speaking of mindsets and, and getting your, your head in that place, this is where I go into my mindset hack segment. So right. this is where I ask what your favorite or an innovative mindset hack is that you can imagine or one that you know of. Okay, mindset hack. I might need a definition for that. Um, so you're a little bit of a techie, right? So <laughs> it's it's basically straightforward what it what it looks like. So it's a way to hack into a mindset that that is innovative. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or different, <sighs> or your favorite, or just a way of doing things, or a way of being that that is somehow inspiring. Can you give me an example? Um, So so one of my recent guests, his mindset hack was to shed the struggle mentality. Mm, mm. It could be for any, it's like to change, change the way of thinking in order to accomplish a goal or a destination, if I could simplify it. Would would you say that? Sure. A way of being exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, I think one of the things that I, that I always do, I mean, and it's part of a package. I always visualize because I believe that if you know where you are and where you're going, then the pieces that are inside those two places, they tend to make manifest themselves easier. 
Yeah. I know some people who sort of just get in the car and drive and they don't know where they're going. And you could find yourself, you know, down the wrong path of the street, you know, like quite simply. So I always try to identify what it is I'm trying to accomplish Okay. for, for at the beginning of anything. And I think what people appreciate about me over there is that I always finish. Like I never start something that I don't finish because I never start something that I don't know what I'm trying to finish up. And that changes. You know, it's like a, a course, nav, you know, a navigational course is subject to change, but I always try to keep my eyes on what it is I'm trying to get to. And I feel like that that prevents you from, you know, floundering, if you will, or it prevents you from from aimlessly going in a direction, you know? Right. So, so there you have it. Perfect. <laughs> all right. All right. Finish what you start. Absolutely. And visualize. My late nights are notorious for just laying in bed and imagining how to get from point A to Z. You know, it's a bag. Maybe it's a bag. I, how do I combine these things? Like, And I like to just sort of be prepared for the next day by sort of projecting what it might be like. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's something that we often did more as children because mm. I remember doing that pretty much throughout my childhood. Like mm-hmm. from the preparation it took from setting out your clothes and packing your lunch. And mm-hmm. then and when you lay down to sleep, you just, there was, there was that thought process. I find I do less of that as an adult, but I, mm-hmm. I remember that practice. And I think it's definitely an effective tool for another of my guests mentioned future casting. So that's mm-hmm. the thing that, that goes into, into that. So wonderful. It's so, Sorry, just really quickly. I still lay out my clothes, but sometimes when I wake up the next day, I know that's not that's what I don't want to wear. Right, right, right. right. (laughs) That's funny. So yeah, there's more um, flexibility in adulthood, right? Uh Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so let me ask you one of my kind of let's explore you in a little bit of a different way. And because you're a content maker and a designer, I'm wondering, what do you read? What are you reading now? Or what are some of the best reads that you've come across? Well, I actually have been turned on to a lot of literature and and art and photography from the Czech Republic, ironically, because one of my recent great customers or clients with my bags happened to be the wife of the ambassador of Czech Republic in Ethiopia. So in like the 80s and the late 70s, sort of, you know, somewhere before 1990, that sort of 60s to 80s, there was a support from the sort of, I guess, the communist government to support these artists who then became very, they were very talented and they were like, became the voice. And a lot of them, they're actually African people, people who are Czech Republic citizens who are originating in Africa. So the, the, the ambassador actually gave me several books of these African authors and artists who basically expressed their art in what was then, you know, Russia, you know? So wow. the perspective and especially the art, I mean, I've become a, a bit visual uh, lately, so I'm actually a lot drawn to the styles of some of the typography mm-hmm. that they use in sort of, you know, 
movie posters and things like that. So I am currently reading a book called The Unbearable Lightness of Being by an author called Milan Kundera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, That's a so, well book, Unbearable Lightness of Being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so this is a cliche, but I also really often go back to The Secret because oh. I find that I'm, my early manifestations are coming to, to light based on mm-hmm. maybe six or seven years ago when I wrote down like all the things that I desired and sort of lived in that path that it already happened. Yeah. It's really unfolding. And that is, has been, uh, you know, an amazing sort of revisit. I revisit it often. And lastly, I would like to tell you about uh, a guy called John Robinson, John C. Robinson, who was AKA the Brown Condor, who was one of the original Tuskegee Airmen who uh-huh. fought who fought in in the uh, Ethio Italian War as the personal uh, pilot for Haile Selassie. So I I have uh, just recently finished that, and it's something that I'm interested in pursuing. I would love to make that a movie. You know his his life story because it's so interesting. He grew up in Mississippi and in very unfavorable conditions, and always had this dream to be a, a pilot. And then found himself like as flying the the king's exclusive airplane. So, you know, I'm very much inspired by people's stories and and success stories, which seem to always have a a root in their early childhood, because I think that's when you get the vision. Yeah. Yeah. People who are successful, they get the because they take even, you know, rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. You know, everybody who talks about him always says, I always felt this from him. Yeah. And he, he also had a, a connection to the U Street Corridor where I was also making music. Of course. A lot, a lot of my friends, yeah. you know, were his contemporaries in early theater. Mm-hmm. And they always said, this guy had this this sort of calm demeanor as if he, you know, he, he was focused on a vision yeah. That he knew Nipsey Hussle, Kobe Bryant, all these people that, you know, that unfortunately we've lost in this last year, they all have a story that they knew that they, they possibly had a feeling inside sure. that their, their time to, to accomplish was, was not forever, you know? And, and this is very motivating to me, you know, especially I know I've been given this journey, this, this, this unique experience, and I just really want to make the most of it and inspire as many people as possible. Wow, that's a, that's wonderful. So that's a wonderful way to start moving towards the end of our conversation. So I want you to tell us where we can find you, where we can find your music, where we can follow you and, and learn more about what you're doing on an ongoing basis. Sure. I mean, uh, my music is all on uh, kennyallen.bandcamp.com. Okay. Which is, that's like, I have seven albums there. And I also have YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash Kenny Allen music. Okay. And uh, we are actually about to relaunch the bag website. We had a, a retail store that we were really focused on for the last year, but due to the pandemic, we decided that a, a retail experience was not, you know, as it used to be. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. we are really going to do a, a full relaunch of the bag website at undken.com. And at the moment, you can really sort of catch a glimpse of the story at Instagram.com slash U-N-D-K-E-N. And that's really where where a lot of, that's where my story is anchored. Okay. 
Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Well, Kenny, it's been wonderful speaking with you and learning about your experience from childhood. Sorry, really quickly, I do want to give a really big shout out to our, our mutual friend, Yana Fleming. Who oh, has just yes. been, she has been like relentlessly promoting the idea of the global nomad. And she is the, the, the epitome of a person who has learned how to adapt in the midst of a creative journey. So I do, I do want to really give her a big shout out because she is always, I mean, she will appear out of nowhere with a beautiful connection. And, and right. we love people who, yeah. who have a life dedication to connecting people. And I love that. Yes, that is true. That is definitely, she was a recent guest. So yeah, definitely what I will do because we have some, again, very rich show notes this week, guys. So we'll link to Yana's episode. She's a two-parter. And all of everything that Kenny just mentioned about where to find him, those will also be in the show notes, along with the books he's reading and just a lot more that gives some color to our conversation. I also want to say, check out Kenny's YouTube YouTube channel because he has a documentary that is great. It's The Journey to Forever. Yeah, Journey to Forever. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> is that your last album? Uh, that was that was two albums ago, actually. Okay. That was 2018, and then I then had a, an album called Mind Over Matters, and just recently, uh, during the pandemic, made a, a six-song EP that was inspired by the times, which oh, also wow. sort of translates to the racial tensions that's going on in America. Like struggle is is kind of universal, no matter the culprit, and so these songs are about just pushing through times of struggle and uh i really it's it's called more love now and i think it's really my mantra is that love is really the answer to all the world's problem whether it's the love for animals or the love for people it's love for each other this is really the, the the things i would love to leave with you at this time Awesome. Yes. And I agree. More love now as in capital N, capital O, capital W, L, O, V, E. More love now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for taking some time away from your family to speak with us. Well, local citizens, this has been another episode of the podcast that inspires a borderless mindset around doing something in the world. You can always catch us at localcitizenspod.com. You can catch us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, wherever you find your podcasts. Follow us on Instagram, follow us on Facebook, share, comment, like. We love to hear from you. And as always, bye for now.